Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and ESPN, and a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page. Take it away, guys. Welcome to a fresh edition, an expanded edition for good reason, of Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. Hope everyone is doing well and you're safe and healthy with your families at this time. I'm John Fanta with my partner, Kim Adams, and we have a great conversation for a sports fan, a young broadcaster, or anybody out there. It's story time with Tim Brando. He'll have some impersonations. The longtime ESPN and Fox broadcaster will be joining us, as well as CBS Sports. He'll be joining us on today's show with some of his best memories and tales. He'll also talk about being in Shreveport, Louisiana right now and how that community has been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, as well as his story of being at Madison Square Garden at the Big East Tournament the day that sports was stopped. So Tim has so much great experience. He'll be talking about all of that and the stories of the coronavirus, as well as just some great moments in sports and his advice for anyone in the industry. But I welcome in my partner and friend, Kim Adams, who's in Philadelphia. I'm on the west side of Cleveland. Kim, how are you? And how are things uh, going here as we are in these unprecedented times? Yeah, John, I mean, I think I'm doing as as well as I could be right now. Obviously, I think the most important thing for everyone right now is is having your health and realizing, you know, how important that is right now. Um, But it's definitely strange times. I think, you know, when our college season normally ends, I think it's usually good to take take a little break, tape a couple weeks off. Um, My plan was to, you know, be working through March maybe have a couple of weeks of downtime and then roll right into WNBA. Uh, so right now that's all obviously flipped on its head. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's starting to settle in. I think the scary thing, just talking to friends, talking to broadcasters is we don't know how long this is going to be in sports. Um, and a lot of us, you know, a lot of us are, are freelancers and, we don't have work right now. We don't have income. Um, so I think it's, it's a little scary. Um, but obviously health is number one, getting the, the country back on its feet is number one. And hopefully this is all going to, to clear up sooner than later. Um, but you, you can't, can't kind of beat around the bush and say, it's not a very strange time. Um, obviously missing sports, missing the game. Um, I had a really cool experience this weekend. Um, as, as many of the listeners know, my dad, Bob was in a men's basketball official for 25 years, did 10 NCAA tournaments. And he was actually uh, one of the officials for the Gonzaga Davidson game in 2008, where 
Steph Curry had 40 points. Um, so Westwood One actually was rebroadcasting that this weekend. So our whole family tuned in um, through radio, and it was just really cool. A, to just have kind of a game to be invested in. The atmosphere was great because they were playing in Raleigh. UNC was playing after them. Um, and, and to kind of hear my dad's name, get a couple shout outs. So that, that was just like very special. And you kind of just took for granted listening to, to a game. Um, so that just, that brought a lot of like positivity, um, into my weekend and it was really cool. So yeah, I'm holding up here in Philly. How about you, John? I know you're back with, with family after, uh, the Big East tournament was canceled. Yes. Uh, when that got canceled, flew right home to Cleveland and getting to spend some time with family that typically this time of year we don't get and trying to make the most of it. I mean, on Monday night, it kind of hit me. We were sitting around the table having family dinner. And I thought, I don't remember the last time that we all were together doing this. So you make the most of those moments and you remember how much fun that was growing up. So it was great to catch up with everybody and, and have family dinner and not only that, but over the weekend, I got caught watching the CBS Sports Marathon. And how could you not? Because they ran back old NCAA tournament games. They were running Patrick Ewing moments from the 80s. And uh, they ran the Kansas-Memphis National Championship game that Kansas came back in. Then watching Villanova, North Carolina from 2016. Kim, I know you and I were both there. And that was the first national championship game I, I had covered. To be a junior in college... I was wide-eyed, and watching it back on Sunday, it just makes you think that's something that I'll live with forever, that that was the first national title game I covered, and what a moment it was. was getting some texts from people just saying, you were there, you were at that game where Chris Jenkins hit a shot after Marcus Page hit an incredible shot that somehow got usurped by Chris Jenkins. Just incredible. So, it was a good weekend, and you try to make the most of these moments right now in the family time, and that's what this time, I guess, is all about. There's a level of uncertainty, but you know what? It doesn't mean we can't still talk about basketball and the great memories that we both have already of the tournament and the ones that so many others have while also looking ahead. He defines what it means to be a pro's pro in the sports broadcasting industry, whether it's play-by-play -play or for many years hosting a radio show, anchoring Sports Center. you name it, he's done it. You name the network, he's done it. He's now at Fox Sports calling college football and basketball on FS1 and the Fox Broadcast Channel. It is the one and only from the Chateau, Timmy B, Tim Brando, joining us here on the Full Court Press Podcast. Tim, thanks so much for chiming in. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Trust me. You've got just about every generation covered in our business there with that show. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> That's what we try to do here at Pure Hoops. Tim, we'll, we'll jump right in here. I know that uh, with the experience that you have, these times are certainly unprecedented. I I'm curious, as you come to us from Louisiana, what are you seeing locally in the response, good or bad, with coronavirus? I'd say it's been very good, John. I live in northern Louisiana. We don't have nearly the cases uh, here that they have in Orleans Parish and in Jefferson Parish in the New Orleans area, New Orleans and surrounding area. Um, I think probably a number of reasons for that. Um, uh, New Orleans is a port city. Uh, 
a sanctuary city. And in addition to that, uh, they just had the, the, the Mardi Gras season. And, um, you know, the Mardi Gras season was working from a timeline standpoint at, uh, you know, knowing what we know now, uh, probably the worst possible time on the calendar for Mardi Gras to take place. So I think all of that is one of the reasons why uh, Louisiana is, I believe, uh, last I checked, it was third in the number of cases per capita. Um, now, you got to take that understanding per capita. Our population is not as great as, as Illinois and, and several other states outside of Washington, New York, and California, the big three, so to speak. But um, that area down in the New Orleans and surrounding area is where the lion's share of the cases and uh, the fatalities so far have um, have been. Uh, but here at home in Shreveport, which is the third largest city in the state where I'm from, um, I live in a golf course uh, community, and uh, I literally walked out. Uh, the course is generally closed on Mondays. It was yesterday. But even today when I got up and I, I went out, I decided instead of walking the streets, I'd get on the course thinking there wouldn't be that many people out. And it was a ghost town. No one was playing. It was as if the golf course was closed. So uh, I, I suspect that, that, that that's true uh, not only uh, with, with where we are, but hopefully everywhere because um, my wife had to go in for um, an, uh, an appointment with the doctor yesterday. And as I was driving around, I didn't see much traffic at all. And most of the, most of the businesses are closed, shut down. Uh, and even doctor's offices, by example, she needed to see an ophthalmologist and they said, um, stay in your car as opposed to coming in the waiting room. We will, we will hit your cell phone to let you know when the doctor's ready, which I think that's going on at just about every facility here. So that's good to know. Tim, in the world of sports, you were at the forefront of game seasons getting postponed and then canceled. You're at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, calling your first Big East tournament. And in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the quarterfinal opener between St. John's and Creighton at the half, that game gets canceled. So does the rest of the Big East tournament. Take me through that day in New York City. Well, Wednesday night when we got done and we walked out after the, the second game, uh, Raft and I had done the first round with St. John's Georgetown and the upset of um, Xavier by DePaul. You could tell it wasn't New York. It wasn't the New York we knew and because there just weren't as many people outside. Uh, now, we left probably 30 minutes after most of the crowd had left. And as you know, John, it was packed in there in a very loud arena uh, for St. John's Georgetown. Probably a third of that crowd left by the time the second game got started. But uh, I still expected, uh, you know, the city that never sleeps to be hustling and bustling, and it wasn't. Uh, the next morning, uh, by this point now, we know what the NBA has done. Uh, and by the next morning, I'm thinking, well, we're not going to play. You know, obviously, we're just not working. I'm going to go over there. I'm prepared. I'm going to put my, my suit on. But we're certainly, we're not going to play. And it uh, looked as if we were going to play. And and that they were playing in Indianapolis and that they were playing in Greensboro and uh, all the other sites. Uh, it wasn't until uh, after we had met with both coaches uh, preparatory to the game, which was uh, Coach Mack at Creighton and, uh, and Mike Anderson at St. John's, that we began to learn that uh, 
You know, they may come out to warm up, but they may not play. Um, and But once they went back in, I noticed that uh, Rick Gentile, who had been sitting across from me uh, at the scorer's table and uh, is one of uh, Val Ackerman's trusted associates, he left his position and obviously went to a back room to get on the phone. So I knew... So now it's like, okay, here come the teams back out. Now they're playing the national anthem, and I'm like, okay, well, we must – I guess we're playing. But when we came on the air, I, I, I allowed my tone to go in a direction of, yes, this is a, a, bizarre, a bizarre set of circumstances, uh, but for now uh, we play on in the Big East. With, with that point being, uh, I guess we may not finish, but we're going to play. Uh, that. That was the tone suggestion. I didn't say it. I didn't say that obviously, but that was my tone. Once the game started, John, as we're prone to do, we lose ourselves in the game, and the game was great. Played at a very high level. Had a kid that was a walk-on that had to come in for uh, the injured guard uh, for Creighton, uh, Zagorowski. That, that he's having the game of his life, throwing in teardrops, three-point shots. Uh, Jet Canfield is his name, and I'm thinking this kid is, uh, and all of the basketball world is watching because no, no one else is playing. Uh, and he's having the game of his life. So we get to the half, and no sooner than we go to the break and send it back to Rob Stone in Los Angeles, the Butler coaches who were getting ready to play Providence in the next game are walking by us, and they say to Nick Bond and myself, not, Nick was working with me, well, guys, you don't have to worry about it. You're done. We're done. We're out of here. And they had already received word that the game was going to be called at halftime. So uh, it did feel strange uh, that we had played a half and that we would not finish. I will not, I will not deny that. And I felt bad for that kid from Creighton I was talking about because it will never show up in the record books. He'll have the DVD, I guess, or DVR of his performance to show his grandkids one day. But – There'll be no record of what he accomplished. So I felt a little bit for those guys, uh, but I certainly understood why uh, they decided to pull the plug. I think, uh, you know, the optics were bad, and they're only going to get worse if they had continued to play. So I understand now why it happened. Thank you, Tim. Crazy, crazy series of events there. And and just talking about that and seeing how much sports has been intertwined in this pandemic, really, it, it may have been the NBA that kind of got everyone to realize how serious this was. And then even just this morning with the Olympics being postponed, just when you think about when when sports does return, kind of what, what do you envision that transition back will be like and how do you envision sports may be a little bit different at least from the start when they start to work sport back into society not unlike kim not unlike 911 when we came back from that uh there will be i think uh obvious um uh, emotion and we'll remember uh all those that perished and those that are still suffering from uh, COVID-19. Um, but I think there, uh, that, and that's, and that's understood. I think we, we need to know that, um, the tone of those of us that are in broadcasting will have to recognize the, uh, the feeling, uh, uh, around the country. And I'm not, I don't want to get modeling here, but we do have to be aware that there are things out there that are more important than sports. We live in the toy department of life. 
and I think we always have to have a, a cautionary tone to what has been a really difficult tale. And that is what this this last uh, few weeks have been. It's going to be what the next few weeks to maybe the next month, month and a half may be before sports does return. But um, I will echo our president in uh, in this regard. Once sports returns, like our economy, I think it will be bigger and greater and more important than it's ever been because that's what sports provides is, I mean, that's why we all got into it. It, it provides a departure from uh, the daily chores and the daily difficulties that we all experience in life. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't have to do baseball, and I haven't done baseball since uh, 1996 when I was doing Braves games. Uh, before I went to CBS, but uh, I think that most of the transitional phase will be handled during the baseball season. And that, in some ways, that's a good thing because baseball is a family sport. It's a, 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 a product that uh, you got to really love to go out and enjoy during the week for three and a half to maybe four or plus hours a game. So the fans are extraordinarily loyal. But I think that's the perfect sport to handle the transition. By the time we get to football, whether it's the college game or the pro game, I think we're going to be looking at America's uh, explosive return to sports uh, because college football and the NFL is a weekly dynamic sporting event. It's not just a game, it's an event. Uh, and I think it'll be appreciated, and I think you'll see record numbers um, uh, in terms of viewing audience, uh, people may be uh, more inclined, though. This is one of the concerns I think people will have that's very real. Uh, the gate may not be what it w once was. We may not see as many people going to the games, but there will be unbelievable viewership and, and interest uh, in our profession. And uh, that's really what football, we've become a football country in a lot of ways. So I think. Um, It'll be a little bit like the economy that the president is saying we're going to see a huge boomerang uh, once we get back on our feet, once our country's back on our feet. Sports will help provide that in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what's so weird right now is typically we all turn to sports uh, in times of trouble. And right now that's been taken away from all of us and and just to go back a little bit about how the college season just ended so abruptly and you you talked about the Creighton player who was having a breakout half um are there any other seniors teams coaches that your your heart just really broke for um oh, at the yeah. end of this season with how it ended oh, oh yeah especially uh a guy like Anthony Grant the coach at Dayton who was fired at Alabama uh, long-time Billy Donovan assistant. Uh, he's got one of the top players in the country, uh, and he's got a Dayton team that's going to be, what, a two-seed at worst, maybe a one, and they, and they don't get to go. Uh, there are several other examples of that. Uh, a guy like uh, Miles Powell and Marcus Howard in the Big East were incredible players that really represented what's best about the college game. For them not to have that last experience you got to be sad about that. If you know either one of the kids, and I do, 
uh, John, I know you do too. It's just, it's, it's horrible. Tim Brando, our guest here on the Full Core Press Podcast with Fanta and Adams. And Tim, when you think about this time of year, it's so magical. And I know you did the NCAA tournament for CBS Sports. What's a call that jumps in your head when I say NCAA tournament that you've been a part of? <laughs> oh, Gramus Vasquez takes it in. He gets right by. He gets right by Maryland. <laughs> uh, and, and here, uh, coming the other way, coming yep. the other way, Lucius. It's uh, Draymond Green finds Corey Lucius at the buzzer for the win. He's got it. Michigan State is on its way to St. Louis for the Sweet 16. <laughs> wow. I love that's it. One, that was awesome. That's one, that's one that jumps out. That, that uh, Gravis Vasquez one with Corey Lucius was, really stands out to me, and, I, and I'll tell you why. This is 2010, so we didn't have the Turner contract at that point. It was just CBS. And in those days, yeah. you know, not, not everybody's getting these games. Uh, you know, you might be going to 20, 25% of the country, might be going to 10% of the country. Now, because we had Michigan State, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's a bell cow program. And, and Maryland, another, you know, uh, charter member at the time of the ACC, we had probably 40% of the country at that time with our game. But as the game was getting closer and closer, we're welcoming new audiences. So you knew the rest of the country was coming to us. Well, both coaches, Gary Williams and Tommy Izzo, had used up their timeouts. They had no timeouts left for about uh, the last 45 to 50 seconds. So Gravis Vasquez is taking it in on, a, uh, on an isolation play, using the window for a, for a bank shot to go in to give them the lead. And, and now uh, maybe they tied the game. Maybe they tied the game. It may have tied uh, now that I think about it. But, but Gravis Vasquez gives them the lead, and now there are no timeouts. So Michigan State's got to go. There's, you forget it. And, uh, and Delvon Rowe was literally five feet from Draymond when he passed the ball to Corey Lucius. And if Delvon Rowe does not uh, drop his head, he gets hit right in the noggin by that pass. The pass would have careened off of Delvon Rowe's head. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I didn't have time, obviously, to say that, but you could look back at the replay and see for yourself. Uh, and then Lucius buried the shot, and it's ball game. I mean, literally two-tenths yeah. two, two of a second. So th there really wasn't any time for us to welcome – uh, an additional audience. If they got in, they, you know, at that point you have to just make the call. You know, at some point you have to commit to not welcoming the audience and just staying with the game. And uh, I did that, and it, it, it turned out uh, beautifully. That that's one that comes to mind. Uh, another one that I think uh, a lot of your Big East followers will love. Um, kid named Van Zant is taking the ball into the painted area, and. Uh, he puts up a teardrop uh, coming off of the uh, weak side is uh, Howard to tip it in. And uh, that was a victory over Pitt, uh, who was a one seed. 
And uh, that call was, the butler did it again. And uh, <laughs> they, uh, they remind me of that one when I go to Hinkle every time I'm, I'm there. So I always love getting butler games. We now have the luxury of being able to watch everything across CBS, TBS, TNT, True TV. But calling a game, that's your way of playing the game, Timmy B. When you're welcoming in different audiences and they're coming into the telecast, how did you manage all that? And also knowing how big the stage was getting with the percentage of people watching control the excitement. Well, let me just say this to you. When you've got a bad game, you can feel the audiences leaving you too. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I mean, uh, there were, there are a lot of games out there that we called, especially in the opening rounds, you know, when you got a two fifteen or a, a one sixteen, and you feel the audiences leaving. We used to joke, well, well, I guess we're still on direct TV, right? I guess we're on direct TV. Is that right? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they are paying. They are paying us, so I, I hope somebody <laughs> is, is listening out there. But we, at some point, you think you're reduced to just direct TV. But um, yeah, uh, that's the great thing about the Turner involvement with CBS. Uh, it took the shackles off the announcers to some extent, John, that we no longer had to worry about. Uh, welcoming a new audience because that was um, sometimes a painstaking process. You've been calling a game. Now it's coming down to the wire. And uh, instead of focusing on what the coaches have to do next in a particular strategy, you're spending your time with a wide shot matchup page producer saying layout and then welcome a new audience. And the, the ball is about to be inbounded. You know, I mean, it was like they were sucking all the joy away from the job of the announcers. So uh, when it came to, um, I think 2011 was the first year, and uh, Turner joined forces with CBS, uh, the, the idea then was, well, the, uh, the viewer gets to make the call on what game they want to watch. And we'll, we'll actually tell uh, the audience on our bad game, hey, our game is no good. You might check out what's going on over on TBS or True you know, which was great. Uh, you know, it was, it was good to be honest, you know, just tell people. Uh, but the announcers that were doing the great game didn't have to worry about welcoming audiences because the audiences were doing it with their remote control themselves. And I think that helped the overall product big time. Tim, you treated our listeners to a little bit of a free broadcasting clinic there with reminiscing <laughs> on some of those calls. Um, but <laughs> for for the young broadcasters, the aspiring, the up-and-comers, John and I are, are still two of them. Uh, during this strange time where there's no games, there's not a lot of broadcasting work to be had, but there's a lot of downtime. What do you recommend that people who are, are looking to improve in this business, what are some things they can be doing at this time to, to just get better and to take advantage of that time? Well, adjacent to my location here in my studio, uh, where I used to do my radio show for many years upstairs here at the Chateau, I have an attic that's absolutely filled with old boards, basketball boards, football boards, and games I've done in the past. And, uh, and still a lot of old uh, uh, VHS tapes of work that I did all the way back to my earliest days at ESPN. I'm still converting. I haven't converted all of them to, 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 to DVD. I'm still in the midst of doing all that. Um, but there is absolutely nothing like uh, repetition 
uh, for young broadcasters to get uh, as much uh, opportunity to work. I tell John this all the time, Kim, and I'll tell you, uh, I don't care if it's tiddlywinks. You know, if there's a live broadcast and somebody wants you to do it, uh, in your younger stages as a broadcaster, you should do it. I mean, you should flat out say yes and and and, and try to make that uh, ping pong event or that um, – uh, gosh, well, they have cornhole now on TV, don't they? The cornhole tournaments. Yeah. Make that thing sound – That's a dream that job thing, for me, uh, the make, bags. Yeah make, that, yeah, make that sound like the Olympics, you know. Make it, make it sound big. And in my earliest days uh, at ESPN – uh, the running joke on me when it came to play-by-play was I was like Mikey in the cereal commercial. You know, the, you know, all the events that other broadcasters wanted no part of, the producers would say, well, give it to Brando. He likes everything, you know, and <laughs> I did. I was like a little lapdog ready to just jump in and take whatever <laughs> morsels, you know, they would give me. And I, that's one of the reasons I did 26 different sports at one network, uh, I did sports that I don't even know were sports when I got to ESPN. <laughs> and in those days, believe me, they were putting a lot of crap on that they would never think about putting on today. So uh, it was it was repetition and an opportunity to be in a live event setting, and there's nothing like live. Uh, what I would recommend if you're stuck at home and you can't get out of your, your office or your uh, your bedroom, uh, if you've got some old tapes, or let's just say there's a uh, a game that's being broadcast, like tonight, for instance, that game between Pitt and um, John, here's a little heads up for you. I think tonight, middle of the night, maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, CBS Sports Network is re-airing a, a lot of these games, and one of them is that Pitt game with um, uh, uh, Butler I was talking about, where Butler yeah. as, a nine, as a nine seed took out Pitt as a one seed probably Jamie Dixon's best team. They had won the Big East Championship. Um, and uh, you could go and, and maybe get the rosters of those two teams and turn the sound down just enough, get a cassette recorder or maybe whatever recorder you use now uh, in today's genre, and call the game. Because that's how, as a youngster, I prepared myself to be a broadcaster of play-by-play. I I had a cassette recorder given to me when I was about nine years old. I think they were just being made for the first time in the mid-60s. And I would go back into my room, turn the sound down just enough, and uh, Ray Scott or Jack Buck or Kurt Gowdy might have been calling the game. But I knew all the players and all the teams. I was taking sporting news, so I had uh, baseball rosters and batting averages, and I'd call the games off of my portable TV set that I had in my room. And... uh, that helped prepare me to be a broadcaster. I started with my father uh, calling high school football when I was 14 years old. And um, the, the, those opportunities, any chance you have to hit play and record and put your, your, your face behind a microphone and just go and just go and then go back and listen to it and uh, self-critique uh, and get better. You know, no one's going to be harder on you than you when you look back at any of the tape that you've, you've ever had. Uh, I know that because you wouldn't be doing this if you weren't a uh, insecure, B really serious about what you're doing. Uh, that insecurity can serve you really well in uh, moving forward and getting better as a broadcaster. 
Absolutely. Incredible advice there. And uh, we've actually seen some of your colleagues doing that a little bit in the past few days with the downtime. Yeah. We saw Joe Buck offering to call some some daily activities. I think I saw you retweeted Michael K today. Tim, yeah, will you be yeah. offering your uh, your play-by-play voice for unbagging groceries or anything like that this week? You, 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 you never know. That could happen. I, did, I will I put one out. You, you must have missed it. I put one out. Uh, the people at Callaway, Harry Arnett used to run Callaway, and uh, they asked me to provide play-by-play. They were helping uh, Greg Maddox, the old Braves Cy Young Award winner and uh, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, he, he had never thrown a no-hitter. Closest he came to a no-hitter was in Houston, and I was doing the game with Ernie Johnson Sr. Uh, at Turner back in the day, and uh, uh, the, the Killer Bees, Bagwell, took uh, him deep with two outs in the ninth. He's one out away from uh, a no-no, and Bagwell took him deep at the Astrodome. So uh, Arnett, who was running Callaway at the time, called me and said, hey, Tim, we're going to have uh, Greg here. He's doing a golf tournament. We're providing some uh, golf balls and some equipment for his tournament here in Carlsbad. He said, hey, um, would you be willing to do this? So he sent me a script, a play-by-play, and he told me what they were doing video-wise inside uh, Callaway Park there in Carlsbad where they make all the Callaway equipment. And I said, sure. So I did play-by-play of uh, a wiffle ball no-hitter thrown by Greg Maddox mm-hmm. against Callaway employees while he was there. And I, I retweeted that. I did it. Uh, I put that tweet out just a couple of days ago. So if you, you go back through my timeline, you'll find it. So that's my offering for now. Uh, <laughs> I may do something. If I, if I get a chance to see uh, my two-and-a-half-year-old son, uh, grandson, uh, Spencer, named after Tillman, uh, I, I'll see if I can get him to throw the hoop throw the basketball into the hoop and, uh, and maybe do a little iron kind for you. you know? <laughs> oh, Try that, to do an, that. An iron kind and a how do you do would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'd love that, huh, John? You'd love where that. Did that. Where did that come from? How What's do that? you do? How do you do after a big shot? Years ago, Keith Jackson uh, used that in football. And I love Keith Jackson. That is my tribute to Big Keith. Uh, for Love it. college football, here we go. Uh, back deep for Alabama <laughs> is Major Ogilvy. Hamp Green will be kicking off for Tennessee. There's the kick. It's end over end. It's taken by Ogilvy. He's got it to 5, to 10, to 15, to 20. Cuts across the green at the 40. Cuts against the green. He's got a picket fence at midfield. Down the sidelines, the 40, the 30. He's hit and cracked and fumble. Alabama got it. How do you do? Oh, wow. Man. I'm telling you. That's the first time I've popped on the podcast. I got to give it up. That was incredible that you could just whip that out. Oh, yeah. my God. Now, now, that was... the, iron, the iron unkind came uh, just from me. That was one of those that just I blurted out uh, when I was doing games at ESPN in the mid-'80s. And uh, I think it might have been Vital I was working with you. I love that, Timmy B. The Iron I love that. You got to use that. And by the way, if it bounces in, just go with the kind. Just, just say kind. <laughs> so, you know, once I got the, uh, the okay from, from Vital, I, you know, I had to run with it. Now, I, I decided not to do it too often. You know, no more than twice a game. And if I throw a kind in with an iron unkind, 
that doesn't count against the number of times I've used unkind. So I can use kind. I can use kind once if I've already used unkind, but I can't use unkind again. Follow me? So uh, you hopefully wait for the ball when it's really going round and round and out or bouncing and hitting every part <laughs> of the, the, the rim before he goes in. Um, because a lot of times you get some of these credit for some signature uh, calls or lines and everybody goes overboard with it. And you, you ultimately just people get tired of it and they start throwing you know, beer cans at the television set. So you can't overdo it. How about these well, impersonations though? You could, you could be in acting, Tim. <laughs> that was a spot on Dick Vitale. Well, one of my favorites is, uh, is Harry Carey. Hi again, everybody. That's just Harry Carey. We'll see Stone here at Wrigley. Now that the, uh, it's the first of a four game series against the Philly Hard liquor and handgun nights tonight at the <laughs> first oh, thousand uh, to get in. We'll get some Jim Beam. Uh, boy, it's a wonderful drink. If you're not having Budweiser, pick up some Jim Beam. Here's the big swing out. There's a little high popper in the shallow right. This Taino camps under it. He dropped the ball. This Taino <laughs> just dropped the ball. How does that happen? Steve Stone. Well, you know, Harry, it's a high sky. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> nobody, nobody here wants to hear that. My God, this guy's from Mexico. How do you lose the ball in the sun? It was just uh, <laughs> had a little bit of hitting there for you. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. Wow. I'm crying tears. Oh, wow. uh, oh, 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 by the way, by the way, and by the way, Harry could get away with that. Uh, we couldn't. Okay, so Harry right. got away with that. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you you brought up Dick Vitale. You were part of the the laying of the foundation. Uh, I know there were generations of it at the Four Letter Network, ESPN, and we have a special guest here on Full Court uh-huh. Press. Some guy that's signing in as Bernstein. Do you know a Bruce Bernstein? <laughs> oh, oh my God! That and Syracuse grads. You just can't get away from them. Bernstein's <laughs> and Syracuse grads. They're everywhere. Bruce. Hey, thank you, John. Tim, I'm I'm in stitches listening to this. It's hilarious. But I wait, did... wait, wait a minute. I, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Uh, yeah, Chris, no problem. Berman says he's got that last uh, that last <laughs> trip for your point there. <laughs> hey, listen. I have a question yeah. because back in the day, and it was I don't know about a hundred years ago when we worked together. Mm-hmm. You had one of the all-time great nicknames around the shop. It was yeah. that toe that toe tapping Timmy B. And I would really yeah. like to know what the origin of that nickname was. Well, first of all, I do dance. I dance well. Uh, <laughs> I'm a good dancer. For a big guy, I've got a feathery touch on the dance floor. You know, get get down on that flow and show what you know, Brando. Uh, <laughs> wow, that, that that was part of it. Um, if you if you go to YouTube and you go to my daughter's wedding uh, to Br- to Bruno Mars, the father daughter dance was Bruno Mars. Okay, so that's number one. I can dance. Okay, they but the, the the good part about it, the industry part of it, Bruce, was as you know in the early days of ESPN, uh, we had some of those god awful sets where the the graphic uh, the screen behind the talent made the talent look like a miniature bobblehead. Remember those big screens? Yeah, the gizmo. The on the set. The gizmo, yeah. So scores of games, I'm doing college game day. <clears throat> and I was doing that 
that halftime of, uh, of our first game, uh, which was probably an Ivy League game, with Sean McDonough uh, and Bob Cassiola, the former Princeton coach, doing the game. And so we're doing highlights and scores, highlight scores, scores, and, and then a score rip where you're just going from one score to the next score. Well, on the occasion that the uh, – <clears throat> what, what did you call the graphics machine back in those days? They, they have different names. Chiron. In different, Chiron. Chiron. Chiron would, would freeze up. Chiron freeze. Well, it's not like, John, uh, the announcer is talking over just the score. The announcer is looking into the camera. There's a score, and the score won't change. The score is just staying there. I got a card, and I'm supposed to be going to the next game, right? that the great Howie Schwab has brought me. You know, Howie Schwab, uh, the great guru of gurus, is bringing me my, my scorecards and my highlights. So they're stuck on, let's say it's, um, let's say it's a game between uh, South Carolina, Joe Morrison coaching, uh, and they're playing at Nebraska in Lincoln, and the score just stays there, and we, we can't get out of it for about, five to six to seven seconds the producers in my ear saying okay it's stuck him just keep going just stay on this game stay just whatever nuggets you got go just go with it well uh, early first quarter there may be like one nugget we just we just showed the hat the, the score i gotta come uh, come up with something else and on the fly whether it was something about the coach or something about a player you know i'd always have something and until the then the chiron would unfreeze and we're back on track and no one needs to know that there was a problem so it's in those moments in the studio where a producer really falls in love with his talent he may not like him that much until that happens but if that happens and you can fill in the blanks while the chiron machine is stuck then you are toe tapping just enough for america not to know that there's an issue and uh that's how I, I think the, the nickname stuck. The nickname stuck because, uh, you know, we talk sometimes about being quick and concise and getting in and getting out. John, you'll understand this. Very rarely do you ever get a stretch signal from a floor yes. manager in TV. <laughs> Normally it's go fast and shut up. Right. Well, when you start getting a stretch <laughs> signal, that means, okay, on this particular topic, you got to keep going. And, um, uh, I think it was Berman that coined the phrase, uh, Timmy B is the toe tapper. If BS were snow, you'd be a blizzard. <laughs> and uh, that, that sort of stuck with me. So that, there are times when uh, being able to uh, pontificate about something that maybe you shouldn't be going in depth on, but have to go in, in depth on, will serve you well. And uh, that was the service I provided to producers whenever there was a screw-up and we were doing a studio show. Tim, I said last week on our podcast that we would try to provide some brightness to this uh, time of uncertainty, and you've certainly done this uh, in this conversation. And I wanted to close with this because I know that in the off-season, you're often hitting the course or you're interacting with your grandchildren, or maybe it's something that, uh, that we haven't heard about before. But when this all uh, does come to a close, when this pandemic, this virus is over and uh, this time of quarantining has ended. Where's the first place you're going? Oh, God. Well, 
I'm, I'm after two weeks. I've since I got home from New York, my wife and I have not seen anybody in our family, and we've got these grandbabies that we're just dying to see. And I've I've quarantined myself from them because I was in New York, and God only knows, you know, my hands probably touched a lot of things in and around the garden, so I felt like I just couldn't see them until at least two weeks went by, and I, and I was asymptomatic, and I am, I'm fine, we're doing well. I'm going to go and give them a hug and have them give us a hug as soon as possible. That's that's number one. Uh, I do want to get those clubs in my hand. I'm not going to deny that. I'm a I'm a uh, a nine. I'm a vanity nine handicapped with an attitude. You know, I've got a handicap from last year and I haven't picked up a club in you know eight months. <laughs> it seems like it's actually been more like five months, but. I'm dying to get out on the golf course because it's at that point I, I really do meditate and just worry about hitting a little white ball and moving it along. And Bruce will appreciate this because I fell in love with golf after my career as a softball player on the Hartford Morning Softball League playing for the uh, the, bo- the Bombers of, uh, of ESPN. We were the ESPN Bombers, and we won the last Hartford Morning Softball League championship with me at first base. And uh, – I was skinning up my legs quite a bit, John, and uh, John Saunders, great hockey player, and all hockey players can play golf. He said, Brando, you, what are these strawberries on your, your knees? I mean, my God, what are you doing to yourself? I mean, I said, well, John, you know, I'm, I'm, I was a baseball player. I'm playing softball. And he said, you got to stop that. You need to play some golf. And so John took me out to a golf course. I was born and raised in the South, could have played golf nine or ten months out of the year. I moved to Connecticut where you can only play like three months at tops. And it's a guy from Canada that's teaching me how to play golf. Now think about that. How nuts is that? Uh, so every time I play golf, I think of John and, uh, and so many other great friends that I've made through the years. So that'll be my first stop after I hug my grandkids will be uh, the first hole at Southern Trace, about three blocks from where I am right now. A friend to all and a pro's pro, Timmy Bean. Tim Brando, thanks so much for joining us and taking the time. Great to be with all of you, uh, even you, Bruce. Uh, and, and by the way, John, John Bernstein was one of the all-time great Sports Center producers. And I mean that, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, he put up with a, a lot, a lot back in the day. It was uh, those, those scars you see, those battle scars were well-earned. <laughs> He put up with you in Berman, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Timmy B. The check's in the mail. There you go. Oh, man, that was fun. That was Thanks, fun. Tim. We'll nice see you on the dance floor. You too. Yeah. Me and John love yeah. to dance as well, so we'll uh, we'll oh, meet yeah. you on the dance floor sometime. Go to YouTube and go to Tiffany Brando Wedding. You'll find it. It's um, okay. We, we start out. We start out old school. With, uh, I believe it was, uh, I don't know, isn't she, you know, the typical BS father-daughter dance, you know, isn't she lovely or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or maybe um, uh, I've got sunshine, you know, an old confession. Yeah, yep. my girl. It might have been that. My girl. I think it might have okay. been my girl. We start out really old school, looks really boring, and then out of nowhere, boom, we go right into, uh, right into Bruno Mars. You'll get a kick out of it. Ooh, this might be my favorite quarantine activity yet. Uptown yeah, funk. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Mike's Mike's going to be searching for this stuff and inserting it into this show, if at all possible. <laughs> well, you know, if you want, if you want to do this, you can. You, uh, I'll allow you to post it if you like in promoting the show. The toe tapper <laughs> taps with you guys. If you want to use it, go ahead. You're the best, Timmy B. You really Thanks, are. Tim. Thank you. Be safe, you be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Stay safe and healthy. Absolutely. Okay, man. Thanks again to Tim Brando. Does a tremendous job on Fox College football and college hoops throughout the year. So, Kim, we asked Timmy B, and I think this is a great question to ponder because sometimes you don't know how good you have something until you're without it. What's the first thing or the first place you're heading to when everything comes to an end with this coronavirus pandemic? Man, this is tough. I mean, I feel like really the the past week or so, I feel like I've just, I've been catching up on things that I'm sure you're in the same boat, John. We're traveling for months at a time. These things pile up, finally did expense reports. So now I'm kind of getting to that, that period where I'm, I'm running out of things to do. Um, and you and me know this, John, because one of the last activities we did together before this all got out of hand was we finished the Big East women's tournament with a karaoke night in Chicago. And that was just a blast. And for me, and I know you do too. And Timmy B now we know does as well. Like I just, I just love music and dancing and it like, I've just been dancing around my kitchen and like blasting music. And I'm just like, man, like we, we can't even go out and dance anymore. So I think that's like the first thing that that keeps hitting me. Like, oh man, I just want to go out and listen to some music and dance, um, and just just even travel a little bit. Because um, I know for us, this kind of after the college hoop season, it gets into downtime a little bit, um, and that's usually when I look to to go on a little trip or or visit my grandma in Fort Lauderdale. Um, so. I don't know. I, I want to get out there and dance. I want to get out there and do whatever workouts I want to do. And I want to travel a little bit, go to the beach, hit some, get some warm weather. What about you? I got to tell you, I'm going to take a walk right to pier 13 in Hoboken and walk up the pier and have a cold beer and a piece of pizza and appreciate that skyline view of the city and appreciate those, those boats going back and forth. And then, you know, Working in New York City every day, sometimes you take for granted um, the greatest city in the world. And I think one thing I, I'm going to do is when I get back over there is appreciate it even more and, and try to hit up Broadway or try to make the most of, of something. You think of Broadway being shut down right now, just unheard of. And, and so many other things. Uh, those businesses are certainly going to need everybody's support. But I, I think, like we were saying, you, you don't know how good you have something until you're without it. And, and, Sometimes we get into that nine to five rotation of life and we're always moving quick. So those are the things I'm going to do. Hit the pier, hit the city. That sounds like a day for me. Yeah. And, and family too. I know you, you're home right now with, with yeah. your mom in Ohio and I'm not with my family right now. And it's kind of a, you know, is it safe to travel? Is it not? Um, so I think just, you know, taking advantage of time with family once this all gets out, as Tim mentioned with his grandkids, um, like I really haven't seen my family since Christmas. Um, and we, you know, we're doing the little, the zooms and the FaceTimes, virtual happy hours. Um, but it really, you know, it, I think you kind of take for granted just being able to hop in the car, or hop on a flight and see your family. Um, so yeah, I mean, this yeah. is a, a, a really interesting time that I think, you know, some good comes out of it. Um, some things that 
where we're, I mean, even just little things, I'm, I'm trying to read more, trying to read 30 minutes a day, something I don't have a lot of time to do during the season. Um, so I think definitely some good can come out of this and realizing what's, what's really important to you. What are the things we do take for granted every day? Like just driving up to see your dad or your mom or your brothers. Um, sure. So fa family time is definitely going to be big once this all blows over, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly getting the family time. Came right home to Cleveland off the Big East tournament news and, and thought this could be uh, as serious as it's turned out to be. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. Uh, but I've got a grandpa, an 88-year-old grandpa in a nursing home. And, and my heart breaks for those people because as is, they have a tough time going to a nursing home or, or just it's a challenge, the day in, day out challenge of it. And what they look forward to is is us seeing them. So uh, we'll appreciate those times that much more. That's for sure. And, and I just hope uh, all our listeners stay safe, stay healthy, be with your families, catch up uh, on Netflix or watch something back that you partook in as a family and just stay safe and healthy at this time. Another episode of Full Court Press with Fanton Adams is in the books. Thanks again to the one and only Tim Brando for spending some time with us. Thanks is also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Ben Wolfen edits the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows, which are full steam ahead as well. Catch and Shoot 2.0, that's with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. That one drops every Wednesday. On Thursdays, Monica McNutt drops by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Y Show drops each Monday. And, of course, John and I back on Tuesdays with Full Court Press. So please check out all of the shows Download them, rate and review them. We know you probably have some extra downtime going on right now. Can't really go outside and do much. So perfect time to be checking out all of these podcasts. And thanks again for tuning in. Thanks to Tim Brando. We will see you next week on Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.